Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Any news story you read about landlords and tenants seems like the landlord is always the bad guy. You know, it's either a big evil corporation or, or it's some mustache-twirling slumlord throwing poor families out into the cold. It's all a bit of a cartoon. You know, the reality is that a lot of regular people are landlords who rent out their basements as an apartment or maybe rent out a room in their house. You know, some people keep their retirement savings in a property investment instead of in an RRSP, and, you know, they rent out a condo or a house to other people. And the truth is, those landlords can be victims too. You know, if you find yourself with a hostile or violent tenant, or simply a tenant that refuses to pay or refuses to leave, that can be a huge problem in your life. And the laws don't always make it easy for you to deal with it. All right, if you haven't guessed it already, uh, yeah, I, I'm a landlord. Uh, luckily, I've never had any of those nasty scenarios play out. But you can bet that I'm aware of the possibility of them, and so I'm pretty cautious when finding tenants. 
I've heard the horror stories from other landlords who find themselves cursing the law for how little help it provides, how slanted they feel it is in favor of tenants. But here's the thing. It's slanted for a reason. It should probably be more slanted. It's not supposed to be an even balance between the interests of the landlord and the interests of the tenant, because those interests themselves are not equivalent. You know, my interest is to protect my investment and to get paid. But my tenant's interest is to have shelter. For the law to forcefully kick tenants and their kids out of their own homes is a drastic last step that should be avoided in every way possible. And during a pandemic, a lot of people think that it shouldn't be happening at all. For a minute, here in Ontario, it sounded like Premier Doug Ford was one of those people. And we're also suspending the enforcement of residential evictions so people can stay home safely. Here's how that's going. Everyone has to leave, please. No. Who's the tenants here? Hi, uh, that's you. Pardon? Okay, leave, please. I'm going to speak with this gentleman. Please. You, you have to leave. Uh, we have to leave. I'm his friend. I'm, I'm going to give him the courtesy of a conversation. He has a six-year-old. I have a one-year-old. He has nowhere to go. Don't you understand that? Well, we have a court order. Okay. Enforcing the eviction. The sheriff was already here. Are you here. enforcing this eviction? I am enforcing a court order. So that's what it sounded like on April 2nd when a single father of a one-year-old and a six-year-old was forcibly removed from his apartment in a social housing complex by the police. There were protesters on site in anticipation of the eviction, and a reported 26 squad cars showed up to deal with it. Now, police are not supposed to perform evictions. That unpleasant job falls to the sheriff's office, and the Toronto police later claimed that all those cops were there to deal with the protesters, not to evict the tenant. But as you heard in that clip, an officer on site clearly thought that he was there to enforce a court order for eviction. That freeze on evictions that Doug Ford announced in January, it was just temporary. And people have been getting booted out of their homes in Ontario and across this country throughout this miserable public health crisis. There isn't great data out there yet on how many people are losing their homes, but a CBC report back in February reported that 10% of tenants in Ontario have fallen behind on their rent. The website Evictions Ontario reported 7,084 eviction hearings in just one month, November, and that each virtually conducted hearing took an average of just eight minutes. Our own Wag the Doug podcast visited those virtual landlord-tenant hearings in December, and they saw firsthand that the process of evicting people isn't at all frozen. In fact, it's happening scary fast. Well, today we bring you a story about a guy whose comments suggest that it isn't happening fast enough. A landlord who has said that the pandemic is a threat to landlords. Who has said that abusive, hostile tenants are taking advantage of the pandemic. And that luckily he has an app for that. An app for landlords. It's an app that he contends is perfectly legal. That landlord, his name is Zach Killam, we sent a request to his company for an interview with him. We haven't received any response. So this is going to be a story told by a woman who he tried to evict. Wait for it.
This episode is brought to you by Zoe Peterson, Stephanie Hardman, Keegan Street, Sarah Huco, Phyllis Lee, Brenna Britton, Branko Daljevic, and Joel Harden. Hi, I'm Joel Harden. I'm a politician and troublemaker based in Ottawa. I love Canada Land because it gives me the up-to-date information with no holds barred, and we need that. We need more of this. We need more independent journalism. I hope you tell your friends to listen to Canada Land so we can make the kind of country we want. Joey Nickel and her partner David have lived in the same apartment in Hamilton, Ontario for almost 17 years. It's a great old building. We raised three kids here. We have um, one left. He's 17 or almost 17. For years, her family got along fine with their landlord. But then the building was sold to a new owner. This company called Livewell Property Management took over in the summer of 2017. And we were pretty excited because they were some young guys and they were telling us that they were going to do upgrades in the building and that they were going to be more involved. And so we were pretty excited. And they did do upgrades on the two vacant apartments. And um, about halfway finished painting the corridors and the vestibule, then completely, well, not completely, sort of dr- dr- drifted off. And and um, so by 2019, we were, we were on shaky grounds with them. The new landlords were improving vacant apartments and renting them off for a lot more than what Joey and David were paying. Landlords in Ontario can only raise a tenant's rent by about 2% a year. But if the tenant moves out, or if they're kicked out, the landlord can fix it up and rent it out for whatever other people are willing to pay. We're in a rather big apartment. It's a two-bedroom apartment plus a den, and we pay uh, roughly eight fifty in rent. And there's a, a tenant next door in a studio apartment, and her rent is more expensive than mine. That made Joey feel vulnerable, especially after the pandemic came. And at that point, I had lost my job. My, my work closed. So we're very afraid of having to leave because if... David and I had to leave, we couldn't afford to live in the city that we work in anymore. Like we just don't have the income. We struggle in this place. (laughs) Um, So we're, we're terrified of that. And, and we feel like we've been here this long. We're good tenants and, and we're not um, destroying things. We have problems sometimes. And uh, you know, we, we have to make an arrangement to pay rent a couple of days late or something like that, but we're not delinquent. Or, or anything like that. But so we were being very careful and um, like trying not to bother them <laughs> too much because we were hearing in the news about what's happening in our city, like uh, reno- with renovations and stuff. So I, it was it was frightening to me. I'm like, they're gonna they're gonna kick us out. Money got tight, and Joey and David were late with the rent, but they let their landlord Matt know about that in advance. She says that he told them that he would have to write them up with an N4 notice but it was just a formality. He knew they were good tenants. They didn't have to worry. Then they got an email. It was not an eviction notice. It was something else. Okay, so on March 23rd, uh, we received a welcome email from Landlord Credit Bureau saying that our landlord had signed us up for a free service. The email didn't ask Joey to sign up for the Landlord Credit Bureau It told her that she had already been signed up to it by her landlord. But the service, she read, was free. 
and it could be good for her. It would let other future landlords know which tenants are good tenants who pay their rent on time. And if she did pay her rent on time, her credit score would improve. All for free. Joey freaked out. It made me feel uncomfortable. Like they were trying to th threaten you with your, um, threaten you with your, uh, with possible eviction or a bad credit score if you, if you have trouble paying your rent during a pandemic. And I said, I don't, I, from the very moment I got that email and read it, I said, I do not consent. She emailed her landlord right away. I was just like, I'm, I'm curious why you're doing this during a pandemic, like at, right at the pandemic. Are you trying to scare people? He said that we don't need to consent for our landlord to report to Landlord Credit Bureau. And I said, no, this can't be right. Joey had heard stories about landlords sharing a bad tenant blacklist on Facebook. And her understanding was that things like that are illegal. And sure, the Landlord Credit Bureau was presenting itself as a good tenant list. But what happens to the tenants who don't make it onto the good tenant list? Is there another list? Something else concerned her. The language and the style of the email from this Landlord Tenant Bureau it seemed familiar to her. It reminded her of the emails from LiveWell Property Management, the company that now owned her building, her landlord. It felt familiar to me. And I, I questioned them about it. They would not respond to questions like that. Um, they kept telling me uh, that they, they weren't involved, that they were separate entities. And that's when Joey and David started sleuthing. They wanted to see what the Landlord Credit Bureau website looked like from the landlord's point of view. So she started the process of opening up a landlord account in order to have a look. So um, there's, a, you know, like a um, place where you can list all of your properties. And then there's a place where you can um, have uh, your tenant profiles. And from what I understand, they say if it's a positive review, they keep it 20 years. If it's a negative review, they keep it seven. I found while I was poking around in there a copy of a, a sample copy of a tenant record. In the sample, there's a section um, that reads, uh, this information is not shared with the tenants, but is shared with other landlords who search for this tenant. And then there's those, you know, those um, helpful question marks in the corner that, that tell you what this section is for. It says, share your experience, post feedback anytime, even if it's a current tenant. Ensure bad behavior has consequences and rewards for good behavior. The, and the questions are yes and no. Um, you click them yes and no. Um, and it asks, do tenants cause any problems with the property, noise, other, etc.? Do Do you ever take this tenant to court, tribunal, or similar? Did tenant forget to provide proper notice before moving out? Did tenant cause damage to property with which they refused to pay for? Was damage above $1,000? Uh, would you rent to this tenant again? So that was really alarming for me. <laughs> Joey and David took screenshots of another page that they saw on the landlord side of the site. So one of the, one of the screen grabs that we got was uh, about how that LCB can help uh, landlords, and um, uh, one of the things they have on them reads, um, "We are here to help. As landlords, we can't really rely on tribunals or courts 
or tenancy laws to, to protect our businesses. We have to protect ourselves. And then it goes down a little further. And there's a picture of a, it looks like a, a cartoon robber or a jail person or something. And he says, how do we help avoid bad tenants in the first place? Search the good or bad tenant list for payment history and landlord reviews, pull credit reports, and get paid in full and on time with stronger consequences for tenants. <laughs> the site allows landlords to damage tenants' credit ratings. That's something that landlords have traditionally not been able to do to tenants. But it lets them do more than that. It also lets landlords subjectively rate and review their tenants or make comments about them, label them as problem renters for pretty much any reason they like. I don't know how they say they don't have a tenant blacklist because this isn't shared with tenants. They don't know it, it exists. Joey and David kept poking around. They still suspected that there was more to this. Because we couldn't understand why our landlords were pushing the LCB on us so hard. Um, and we felt like there was a connection between the two. So we started pulling records, and that's when we found out that Zach sits on the board at LiveWell, our property management company, and also is the CEO of the Landlord Credit Bureau. Zach is Zach Killam, one of the two registered directors for LiveWell, again, the company that owns her building. And as Joey said, Zach Killam is also the CEO of the Landlord Credit Bureau. We sent a request to Zach Killam through the Landlord Credit Bureau, asking him to come speak with us for this podcast. We didn't get a response, but he did give an interview to a podcast called Property Profits. Here's how he described the Landlord Credit Bureau there. What Landlord Credit Bureau is doing is we are essentially a central repository of tenant records. So landlords are able to report their, their registers of their tenants with us and then report their monthly payment habits. So did they pay on time? Did they pay late? Or did they not pay at all? Then in addition to that, they can share reviews about their experience with that tenant. And so then this is all forms part of the tenant resume or the tenant record, which is then accessible to future landlords when they're looking at an application to potentially rent out their unit to an individual. Joey's partner, David, thought that people needed to know that Zach Killam was both a landlord and a guy running a tenant criticism site. He saw it as a clear conflict of interest. So he started a website. I asked Joey to read an excerpt from the site. The conflict of interest situation here is very striking. If you are a tenant of Mr. Killam in one of his LiveWell properties, you are automatically getting signed up to the Landlord Credit Bureau and Killam would have a hand in arbitrating any disputes a tenant might raise against LiveWell. This would be like Equifax also owned a bank that lent money. The people tasked with managing your credit should never be your creditors. This is a clear conflict of interest and we believe Mr. Killam should at least divest himself from the holdings in LiveWell property management if he wants to also operate a credit bureau for landlords. David is now being sued for writing that and for other posts. The Landlord Credit Bureau is also suing him for copyright infringement, for posting the screenshots of that little bad tenant robber bad guy icon, and other content. They're seeking a permanent injunction restraining Joey and David from ever posting anything again about the Landlord Credit Bureau that the Landlord Credit Bureau believes to be defamatory. And there's more. Joey found out that her landlord, the LiveWell Property Management Group, 
was indeed trying to have her and her family evicted. But here's a surprise. It turned out that the eviction attempt had nothing to do with David's blog. It wasn't revenge. It was because of those N4s. They would hand them out for parking in the back or um, uh, my husband's garden um, was, too, was too overgrown. And we received an N4 in December of 2020 for $33 uh, because they had increased our rent and they it increased it the previous year. And so I had forgotten about the increase. I had sent my rent normally and they'd gotten it, but I missed 15 something for two months. So they sent me an N4. And I asked them, uh, you know, why didn't you just text me? I would have sent you this. I would have, you know, and I sent it as soon as I received the N4. And uh, they said, they'd said nothing. You know, they said, oh, it's paid now. So it's done. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they hand them out quite frequently. Livewell had actually started to move to evict Joey and her family before she and David had ever raised a stink about the Landlord Credit Bureau, before David published his website, before the pandemic even. And they didn't bother to tell Joey and David about it. This was not revenge. Joey thinks it was just business. They know we're in a, a large two-bedroom and that if we left, they could increase it. And it's my belief that it's in their best interest to take the long-time tenants and give them a hard time, give them N4s, do their best job to scare them or ignore them and and remove them so that they can up the rent. Because it's not, this isn't just happening to me. My neighbor upstairs, it's happening to her. They give her N4s and refuse repair requests. And she's been here for 30 years. I believe they were they're trying to get us out. It didn't work. Joey and David fought back. They brought their evidence to the Landlord-Tenant Tribunal, and they won. And they brought their story, a story that they uncovered, actually, to the media, to the Hamilton Spectator, to QP Briefing, and to us. They still have the defamation and copyright lawsuit to deal with. And they have to deal with the feeling of living in a building that is owned by their enemy. I've been at my job for 15 years. Like, I, I'm poor, but I'm a good person. And I love my city. I really do. And my other son, like we've raised two boys out of here. My other son's two blocks away. You know, it's, it's, it's our home. It's an apartment, but it's our home. And I really love it. You know, I really do. And I don't know what we would be able to find if we ever got evicted. And I am afraid of what they'll do next. I am. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. 
It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Okay, so here's what's happened since all of that. Joey and David got some press attention and some politicians and experts on their side. Former Ontario Privacy Commissioner Ann Kavukian called the privacy practices of the Landlord Credit Bureau appalling. And now the Federal Privacy Commissioner has launched an investigation into alleged privacy breaches committed by the Landlord Credit Bureau. That investigation is likely a result of urgings from the Ontario NDP's housing critic who got involved in Joey and David's case. And she joins me now. My name's Jessica Bell. I'm the MPP for University Rosedale. Premier Doug Ford told us there would be no evictions during the pandemic. What, what happened? Premier Ford told us that no one would be evicted during the pandemic and thousands of people are being evicted during the pandemic. There have been a few occasions where the eviction ban has been implemented when the government has said we are in a stay-at-home order situation. But even in that situation, the landlord-tenant board hearings are allowed to proceed and all stages of the eviction process are allowed to proceed except for the last bit where the sheriff comes out and forcibly evicts someone. It is essentially being open season on evictions for the majority of this pandemic. I would imagine that if it's business as usual with evictions, but not business as usual with people getting laid off and CERB running out and not having resources, that we'd be seeing many more evictions. Is, is that the case? That would be my guess. Um, we don't have uh, um, hard statistics on how many people have been evicted because the government hasn't shared it. We have asked for it. We also know that a lot of people have actually been paying their rent. There are about 11% of units in Toronto right now where people have fallen behind, even if it's just a small amount. So the vast majority of people are doing everything they can, scraping things together to pay rent. It would likely have been worse if CERB never existed. So I recently had a conversation with a woman in Hamilton who I know you've been in touch with, Joey Nickel. She is one of the Ontarians who has had to fight an eviction notice. And... She tells a really strange story, a story about information about her, about uh, her neighbors, 
being collected by her landlord through this landlord credit bureau. Can you tell me uh, what you know about the landlord credit bureau? So the Ontario government has recently allowed the landlord credit bureau to essentially act as a credit reporting agency. So they have the same powers as Equifax, a far more traditional credit reporting agency than the landlord credit bureau. What concerns us is that We are hearing reports that the Landlord Credit Bureau is collecting information about tenants without their consent and also sharing that information with other landlords without the tenant's consent. We have approached the Privacy Commissioner federally and provincially and asked them to investigate to make sure that the Landlord Credit Bureau is following all the rules that they are supposed to follow because they have been given a lot of authority because they are a credit reporting agency. So if you're going to get that kind of responsibility and authority, you need to follow the law. Okay, but what is the law? It's pretty uh, unclear to me when Joey Nickel said to them, I'm pretty sure you need my consent before you add me to your database and make up all these notes about what kind of a tenant I am that I don't have, a, I can't see myself. I don't have recourse on disputing any of this stuff. And they said to her, we do not need your consent. Is that true? You're right. I do have some questions as well, which is why we're asking the privacy commissioner to look into it to make sure that the Landlord Credit Board is doing the right thing. And we also are pretty clear that what the Landlord Credit Bureau cannot do for sure is they can't share information that they have quietly collected from a tenant with another landlord without getting a tenant's consent. And we're concerned and we're asking the privacy commissioner to look into that piece too. Yeah, it's it's a little bit hard to get to the bottom of it, but it seems like they are confident that they have the right to gather the information without consent. And then when it comes time for another landlord to look at that file, they do need the tenant's consent to get that. As far as I can tell, that's solid. And I know there's concerns as to whether or not that's actually what's happening in practice. And I think there are also concerns about people kind of getting coerced into providing consent, either because they think that this is something they have to do in order to stay on good terms with their landlord, or if you're dealing with people whose English is not fantastic. But there's a difference between being disgusted by something and something being illegal. And it seems like maybe we're not entirely sure if this is kind of sleazy but legal or illegal. That's been our assessment too. We did reach out to legal clinics to get their uh, take. And I think you also bring up a really good point. The relationship between tenants and landlords is one where tenants don't have a lot of power. There is a real shortage of good quality, affordable units. So when you have um, found something you want to move into, uh, you are far more willing to sign a lease that might have all these clauses in it that you don't feel very comfortable about. And one of those clauses might be that they can automatically share information uh, with this landlord credit bureau. And it it speaks to, you know, the many issues that tenants face uh, when they're dealing with a landlord who has more power over them. Is there a law against a tenant blacklist? Because they've been vociferous that they do not keep a blacklist. And then their own website says we have a bad tenant list. Do we know about blacklists? Is that something that we can say is illegal? Everything I've read shows that you can't keep a bad tenant list. What is uh, so concerning is that when you have an, an organization collecting data on tenants where it's a landlord that gets to decide if a tenant is bad or not, there's, there's no independent review. So a landlord might classify someone as a bad tenant because they cook food that smells funny or they don't speak English well 
or they have children or a pet. And there's no recourse for the tenant if they are classified as a bad tenant, if they don't even know that they're on this landlord credit bureau and they don't know what information is collected about them. That's our concern and our fear. The Landlord Credit Bureau has said very clearly that they are not creating a bad tenant list. And I can't comment on that. I don't, I mean, <laughs> that's that's what they say. I'm looking at a screenshot that has been on their website that says, avoid bad tenants, search the good or bad tenant list. Right. So I think their argument is that, well, we keep good tenants too. So we're not just a bad tenants list. Someone else might look at that and say, well, you're also keeping a bad tenants list. What can you do about this as a member of provincial parliament and as, as, the, as, as the NDP's uh, housing critic? Well, the first thing we're doing is we're, we want to make sure that the Landlord Credit Bureau is following the rules, which is why we've asked the Privacy Commissioner to investigate. I also want to thank the tenants uh, in Hamilton who reached out to me. They are doing the heavy lifting on this. They have done the research. They are doing the education. They've set up a website. It is because of their grassroots advocacy that I got involved in the first place. And it's a testament of what can happen if you're an active and involved citizen. I think overall, there are many laws that we need to change in this province to make things more fair for renters. One, we should have an eviction ban during the pandemic straight up so that we can keep people safe during this pandemic and not have them looking for a new home. Uh, we need to have rental subsidies so people who've fallen behind for whatever reason, uh, usually because they've lost their job, they need financial help right now so they can just get by. And we need to really look at measures like bringing in real rent control, which would include what rent the landlord can increase or charge for a property once a tenant leaves. So really looking at vacancy control. There are some measures that I am fighting for, which I think will benefit you know, the 50% of people in Toronto that rent who just want to be able to live in our city and have a good life. Okay, so as you heard, this is all still kind of hazy. And I don't like hazy. I want to know if what happened to Joey was legal or illegal. So the last person you're going to hear today is privacy lawyer David Fraser of the firm McKinnis Cooper in Halifax. David, let's say I'm your landlord and you're my tenant, and I'm keeping information about you. Can I, without your consent, share that information with a third party, let's say, the landlord credit bureau who keeps information about tenants? No, you cannot. Canadian privacy laws would require consent uh, for that collection use and particularly for the disclosure of that information. Okay. Can I keep, under any circumstances, a bad tenant blacklist? You might be able to for your own purposes internally. Um, that would just be kind of part of your ordinary business records. The, the issue would be, kind of, do you have consent? But when it comes to disseminating it more widely or making it available to other landlords, that would not be kind of part of your usual business operations. That would not be part of administering our landlord-tenant relationship. So that additional consent would clearly be required. And so what you're describing is pretty similar to a credit bureau, a consumer reporting bureau, which is a, a highly regulated field uh, within all, all of our provinces and territories that when you apply for credit, for example, at a bank, uh, you're giving specific consent for them to check your credit to determine kind of, are you actually going to pay this back? Now, from the sounds of it, what you've described to me is, is that there's a scheme afoot where landlords would just disclose this information 
to some sort of bureau, some sort of registry without the knowledgeable informed consent of the of the individual. And that seems to be offside Canadian privacy law requirements. Okay, this is interesting. I mean, there's a few aspects of this. One is that the Landlord Credit Bureau is licensed as like a credit, same as Equifax or any of those. In fact, in, in the case that we're looking into, this, this specific case, the landlord said, I have handed your information over to the Landlord Credit Bureau. And uh, at the time, the Joey, the woman in question, uh, her record was clean. He said, hey, if you don't want me to create a good record for you with a landlord credit bureau, too bad. I can do that without your consent. I would be interested to see what what our privacy regulator would, would say about that. You know, one of the ways that, that you interpret laws in Canada is that if you have a general rule and then you have exceptions, you have to fit squarely within those exceptions. And this does seem to me, kind of as you've described it, a bit of an overreach with respect to the application of those of those exceptions. They've been doing this since 2012, and they say they've got 34,000 uh, landlords signed up and property managers, and they say no one has successfully brought action against them. But that was couched. He said, no one has successfully brought action against us for using an online credit bureau. So I don't know if that means that there's other action that was successful or not. But I guess it does sound like at least they are very convinced that they're operating within the lines and no one has been able thus far to prove otherwise. I, I do know that there is an investigation with the federal privacy watchdog into this organization right now. Yeah, and I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised at that. I know that there have been investigations in the past of organizations kind of sounding similar to this, but might have been using a, a different justification. And the privacy commissioner found found issues with respect to compliance with with privacy laws. I will be interested to hear the hear the outcome of this investigation. Unfortunately, the privacy commissioner really doesn't publish his findings on a regular basis anymore. So we might not hear what the what the outcome actually is. But you know, the, the reality is also that that you can get consent at the beginning in connection with the kind of application to rent, there would be a question as to whether or not that's really freely given. You know, it's interesting to me, it seems that consent is the golden word here and that a lot of this stuff is permissible if consent is given. But under the circumstances, I wonder what the value of that consent is because, you know, I think it's normal and expected that when you're applying to be a tenant in an apartment, you know, you have to show them your credit rating or maybe they'll ask for your permission to go get uh, your credit score. And that's sort of standard practice. But the way that this seems to operate is, that uh, OK, great, we're going to take you now as a tenant. Can I have your consent to add you to this bureau? And it just seems like people might be under the impression like this is a logical continuation of that first request. And then that information is accumulated. And I think you've got to go back to the tenant again when they're looking for their next apartment. A future landlord says, hey, can I have your consent to look up not your credit rating, which is standard practice, but I need your consent because I need to I, I want to look you up in this database where your last landlord was writing notes about, you know, uh, how you left the laundry room and whether or not they like your attitude and a bunch of information that you didn't even know existed. And at that point, I think it's reasonable that the tenant would feel like if they don't say yes, then they would look like they have something to hide and then they wouldn't have a place to live. You know, and in a housing market like Ontario's, I, I don't know that that's consent that's very meaningful. I think that that's consent, you know, under duress. I completely get your point. And uh, I don't think that there's, there's any doubt. So is that really voluntary? And, and the answer is probably no, which is why you fall back to, well, is it reasonable for the lender to require this information, which also forces you to look at what is the information? And at least we, we hope and we expect that the information in an ordinary credit file is accurate and is objective information. It's not just a bunch of observations. 
And I think the the concern that comes into play when it comes to kind of tenancy, landlord tenancy sorts of databases are the, th- are the sorts of things you described, kind of did they leave their stuff in the dryer too long? Did they uh, kind of abuse the recycling system? Did, were, they, were they cranky? Did, did they have noise complaints, things like that? And is it in fact accurate? Or is it just a way to kind of call a list of a whole bunch of applicants for, for an apartment? David, this seems like pretty complicated even for us to figure out, uh, and, and you are a privacy law expert. A landlord on the ground, and in the specific case that I've been looking into, it seems that the, that the guy who said, I can enter your information without your consent, he didn't have the law right. I don't know how we can expect people to apply this in practice. It introduces a whole level to the um, already, you know, kind of loaded power dynamics between landlord and tenant where it's like, not only uh, can I kick you out of this apartment or, or, you know, you don't want to make an enemy of me because I'm your landlord, but, um, you know, I might make some notes on your file and, you know, what are you going to do about it? Well, it's really, it seems to me that it's certainly something that's crying out for some sort of government intervention. You're entitled to a copy of your credit report in the province of Ontario. Um, and, uh, and the same sort of thing should be applicable to any system like this and an opportunity to have it, to have it corrected and to, and to dispute it. Um, otherwise, you do end up with what, what sounds like the possibility for kind of reprisals or discrimination um, or other forms of, of coercion. David Fraser, thank you. My pleasure. That is your Canada land. If you like this show, we need you to help us make it. And you can do that by clicking on the link in the show notes or going to canadaland.com slash join. We'll give you versions without any of the ads and we can give you socks and t-shirts and things like that as well. Please do it. It's just like five bucks a month. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is CanadaLand.com. And while you're there, why not sign up for our newsletter? Make sure you don't miss anything that we report each week. Jeremy Kessler and Sharice Sucharin produced this episode. Welcome, Sharice. Our managing editor is Andrea Schmidt. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like this show... Please support it.